We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 73, the Happy Mother's Day edition. Uh, if you remember a year ago, it was today that Pineda pitched against the Orioles and fanned 16 guys. Uh, that Pineda has not really shown up much this year, but uh, that was crazy. That, that was a year ago. I remember I was sitting in the, in the exact same spot in my parents' house, wishing everybody, all the mothers out there, Happy Mother's Day. So again, Happy Mother's Day. Scott, what's up? Yes, very happy Mother's Day to everybody. You know, we were, uh, all, especially the boys, I feel I feel very, I feel bad for, for uh, mothers that have to deal with teenage boys, and I know I was a pain in the ass to my mom. So a very special Mother's Day to my mother, happy Mother's Day, and uh, thank you for putting it up with all my nonsense. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to pay it back now. I think later in life, you just try to pay it back as much as you can. I was a lovely child. During, yeah? I'm yeah, sure. during all, all of my adolescent years, so... But uh, I, yes. I wasn't. I was. I was a pain in the ass. I was a pain in the ass teenager. Yeah, you're still kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. So some things don't change. Number seventy three is the Kraken Gary Sanchez from last year. He wore seventy three in his brief stint in September with the Yankees. Only guy in Yankees history to wear seventy three. That's a theme with all these seventies, six high sixties and seventies numbers. He does wear thirty five in the minors. So if he does get the call up next year and Pineda's still on the team, which I expect him to be. 
Sanchez might have to go with an, another number. Uh, not sure what he will pick. But I did get a kick out of the fact that on his baseball reference page, his position is listed as pinch hitter because he's actually never played the field in major leagues. He's only been a pinch huh. hitter. That's funny. So they get very specific on baseball reference. Yeah, they do. I appreciate that. Actually, they're they're very they're very much on point. So that's good. Gary Sanchez, seventy three. We're going to be running into some tough numbers coming up. And yeah, I was looking. I, I got to assume this is going to end at night at at ninety nine, right? I mean, we're done after that. We'll have to figure something else out. No, we just go back around, and for one hundred one, we do Billy Martin. Okay, we'll just keep going back up. Yeah, but there's yeah, because we of didn't numbers. do it in the beginning, did we? No, we just started at like fifty. Okay. But uh, I was looking, and there's a ton of numbers that just don't exist for the Yankees, so I'm going to have to make something up, or we just don't do it. Uh, but I think people appreciate the history lesson. Yeah, we'll figure out something with the number. So, you know, the week started off just as shitty as, as it had been going, but they kind of turned it around against Boston the last two days. Yeah. It's Sunday afternoon on Mother's Day. They're playing Sunday night baseball again for some reason. It's like ESPN. You just had them on Sunday night. Put somebody else on. The... the the Nationals and Cubs are playing. Those are two first-place teams. How about put them on Sunday night? Yeah, I would appreciate the fact that we're not having an 8.30 game or 8 o'clock game. So that's – especially with those two, I'm surprised they didn't put that, that matchup on. But I guess they're, they're, still, they're still banking on the allure of Yankees-Red Sox, even though nationally I think – I, I got to believe that people outside the rivalry are really sick of seeing these two teams play. I, I mean, baseball. outside the rivalry. <laughs> the, what is the rivalry anymore? I mean, yeah, so, I guess so. But outside the two fan bases, you know, whereas I think the, a draw would come more from uh, from the from the Cubs Nationals game at this point, especially with the Cubs as much as they're talked about. I know I'd much rather watch today's game at one o'clock for the Yankees and, and then have the Cubs Nationals on in the background tonight as I fall asleep. Well, there you go. They didn't listen to you. They, they did not think about you. So we're going to kick off this week's episode with a voicemail, and I don't think this person left his name, but it is about the number of Yankees injuries that we've experienced this year. So let's kick it off with that. Okay, so the injuries are absolutely out of control. This is ridiculous. It's, it's beyond frustrating now, and I'm not talking about just these, just this year, just the past couple weeks. This is ongoing for like the last three years now. This team stays less healthy than any other team in Major League Baseball, and it's insane. Over some really, really dumb injuries and some, some legitimate injuries, but this is great. This is absolutely crazy. Between Gardner, Ellsbury, CeCe, uh, uh, A-Rod, and even Tanaka's a ticking time bomb. He's always a pitch away from Tommy John surgery, and you never know where when he's going to blow, so... This is just ridiculous, and I understand that injuries happen. I get it, but, dude, I just feel like there's other teams playing way harder than them and and just and not getting injured. Where's Madison Bumgarner's injuries? Where's Clayton Kershaw's injuries? These guys are pitching eight and nine innings, and they're, they're flawless. I, I just don't understand. It drives me insane, dude. It's beyond frustrating. Like I said, it's a built-up from the last three years of – constant constant injuries so whatever okay thank you for whoever that was uh on your voicemail uh leave your name next time so we can give you a shout out but his rant basically about the fact that the yankees are experiencing a ton of injuries you know a-rod just went to the dl cc to the dl ellsbury day to day it seemed like one thing after another the dominoes fell in the last week but let's start with a-rod 
hamstring injury, and it sucks because he was actually starting to hit. He, he, he mashed the ball last Sunday at Fenway, killed David Price. They couldn't win that game, but kind of came at a terrible time for A-Rod. Yeah, and the fact that it's a hamstring injury kind of worries me. These these things tend to linger, and you know, as Father Time starts getting a hold of your body, I have you got to believe that those those type of lingering injuries just stay with you for a lot longer, and and it could come back at any point. I mean, even when it is healed, you got to believe that 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 tendon or you know the um, the muscle gets weaker. So I don't know. This is this is frustrating to see. Obviously, it's gonna you know what's gonna happen though. I mean, we got a bunch of old dudes on this team. Yep. They're going to get hurt. It's just it's just comes with the territory. Yeah, you're right about that hamstring for somebody who's 41 years old like A-Rod. I, I would imagine that hamstring is going to be annoying for the rest of the year. Yeah. And uh it, hamstring's such a weird muscle. Like I don't I, I feel like I've pulled my hamstring at some point and but it's just sore. So you don't have full mobility. The good thing is he doesn't have to play the field. And I know you think you can beat him in a race first or third, but maybe with this hamstring injury, I'll definitely give you the nod on that. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, it wouldn't even be fair. It would be embarrassing, actually, with the hamstring injury. I, it would probably be embarrassing for him without the hamstring injury, but, you know, nobody else. You don't believe me on that. But well, but so I don't know if you've noticed, but A-Rod has gone into full A-Rod Corp mode now that he's on the DL. Taking pictures, posting more Instagrams. He's social A-Rod. Yeah, there was something about the Architectural Digest. What was that? I, I just yeah. took, saw glimpses of it. Was that his house? Yeah. Or, so a, a house? One of his houses? He's extremely into modern design. Oh. Modern art. Is that, is that the A-Woj? Is that Might the A-Woj be. rubbing off? I remember he, he – I think he's been into this for a while. Back in like the late 90s, he bought a uh, a mansion on the beach in Miami and totally redid it. Uh, I, I feel like I remember reading that it was his his vision – for what he wanted a house to be. So, uh, and he turned the house from like $3 million into like $18 million or something. So, um, you know, so A-Rod, he's... A-Rod he, Corp going to have like a, an architecture wing? <laughs> architecture wing, fly fishing wing, a baseball signing wing. Oh, man. Uh, now photography wing because he was t- snapping pictures during the dug- uh, in the dugout during, I think it was Friday or Saturday's game. Yeah. He's, I mean, a man of, of, man of, of many talents. A Again. corporation of many talents. Again, A-Rod... Arod Corp, I sent you my application and you have not responded. I'm I'm willing to come in and interview. Uh, I just need the call. Give me a give me a call or or leave a I've voice. I've got another now. guy now too. My brother's an architect out in Denver. I'm sure he would absolutely go over there and work with Arod and Arod Corp. I can guarantee it. Doesn't Arod Corp need? He needs website help, so you can. Oh help no him doubt, there. yeah, he definitely needs that. He could use a, a nice podcast, so we. He got needs that a new covered. logo. The fly fishing is a little. It's a little uh, confusing. The logo on the A-Bomb t-shirt that you designed is infinitely better than the logo on A-Rod Corp shirts. It's true. I, I, would, I, I could definitely help him with this. These are, these are things that I could help with. We could, we could tag team this and bring A-Rod Corp up to the, the true potential it has. <laughs> uh, I believe it was Jesse Spector on Twitter tweeted that uh, a couple weeks ago he, ro- he strolled into the clubhouse wearing an A-Rod Corp jacket. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Need one of those. Need one of those bad. I wonder if he'd get mad if we started selling A-Rod Corp shirts on our website. So I don't think we could, right? Isn't, that, <laughs> is, isn't A-Rod Corp now copyright, uh, copyrighted or copywritten? Trademarked? Or trademarked maybe it isn't. Who knows? Maybe maybe he forgot that part of it. We we'll should see. start selling A-Rod Corp shirts then. Yeah, that'd be terrific. Um, CC to the DL. This came out of nowhere because he pitched phenomenally in Baltimore. Over, uh, you know, CC, I know people were not expecting anything from him. 
number five starter, but he's pretty much given you all you can ask for out of a number five starter. Yeah. Pitched great against Baltimore, a very tough lineup in a very tough ballpark to pitch. Gets pulled his groin at some point during that that game. Uh, credit shout out to Mrs. CC for uh, for getting their freak on extra hard over the weekend before that start. But uh, yeah, it sucks for CC because he was pretty consistent. Yeah, that's a tough injury. Uh, from everything he's saying, though, is that he will be ready. You know, right as the the you know the um, the DL stint is up, and he should be ready to get slotted back in. So hopefully, he gets his work in on the side as much as he can, and and keeps the arm ready to go and stretched out, and uh, and then can slot back in because he has been pitching well. I mean, he's been definitely a, a pleasant surprise. One of the one of the few pleasant surprises on this on this uh, team so far in 2016. So yeah, definitely want him to get back. And it's so funny because if you look on Twitter. Like I, I was looking at the the dimensions feed and Bron- on Bronx Pinstripe when we posted the uh, the CC injury article, and everybody's like, "Oh, season's over, unbelievable." <laughs> CC's down. I'm like, if you guys could look at yourselves now and the reaction to a CC injury, and then just you know just back up like a month, and and to think that you'd have that type of reaction is is crazy. So, yeah, I think let's let's all put it into perspective. We really weren't expecting anything out of him. So the fact that he's been good so far has been you know, just just kind of a, a a positive that came out of nowhere. So people commenting on that must probably not watch since 2011, and they think CC is still 20 game winner. CC. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I think they just saw the word injury, and that a guy was actually doing well at that point. <clears throat> he was, and uh, this means Nova's going to take his spot in the rotation. So <laughs> Nova had been saying, "I'm going to get my chance to 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 start." So here's his chance. Let's see what he has. He's but got what, a lot to play for too. So hopefully, we get the the best Nova we can get. But what it also means is, had they been thinking about sending Severino down, I don't know if they were. I know I wanted to see it. I said it last week on the podcast. You disagreed. But uh, it means Severino is here to stay at least through the CC injury because they need a starter. Yeah, there's I mean, there's some guys that are that are in AAA that I think they could bring up at some point. Like Sessa is a guy that I think keep your eye on. But I, I just I don't believe that they're gonna do that with Severino. I mean, if you look at the Yankees history and what they've done in the past with keeping guys in AAA and in the minors for a long time because of confidence issues, the fact that they brought him up and I think they're really gonna try to hold back from sending him down uh due to that. You know, they don't wanna they don't want to make him have him digress at all. I, I just I the way that, that the way that they think, you know what I mean? Like they've always thought in that way. I, I don't. I think they want to avoid that at all costs. But so at I, a certain I point, I mean, he's not helping you win games. So how long can you send a guy out there that keeps losing? Yeah, we'll talk about it. His last start was definitely significantly better, in my opinion, than the ones before that. But he definitely has. He still has work to do. But yeah, I think I th- I, st- I still have a, a confidence that he's going to work through it. Ellsbury to the DL, or not to the DL, sorry, day-to-day with a hip strain he suffered on Friday night. Again, a guy who was starting to play really well. He was starting to get on base a ton more. He was on base, seemed like, every time he he was up in Baltimore. Yeah. And then, you know, started off off the game Friday night, uh, getting on base, was running, stealing bases, going first to third. Hip strain, you know, glass bones Ellsbury, here we go. This is what happens with Ellsbury. It seems like he, any time he starts to play well, he either fo- he fouls a ball off his, his his shin, he he gets a hip strain. Something's going on with this guy. He just is a guy who can't seem to stay healthy for whatever reason. Yeah, well, you know, as far as this injury, it seems like it's nothing. He's he's come out and said that it's just a it's just a bruise or it's just a you know a little pull. Yeah, so a little he pull. Be back, his hip. No problem. You saw him when he rounded third. Uh, he was, I think, he was going second. 
it was a, it was a pass ball or something. So he 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 was running pretty hard around third, and when he pulled up, you could see he kind of flexed his hip. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be back real soon. Everything he's saying, he'll be back very soon, and we need him back because he's been playing well. Definitely. So in his place, Gamel or not in his place, Gamel was called up, I think, for the CCDL. Uh, and uh, was it Pazos who was called up for the A Rod DL? Or I can't, I can't. Yeah, Pazos came up. Yeah, and Gamel's up, and also Phil Coke, our old friend Phil Coke, is called up. That's weird seeing him back there. But Ben Gamel, uh, he looks like a total bro. I know he's from Florida, but he looks like a Cali bro. He's got that sick flow. I have a very important question: Could Gamel's awesome hair be the turnaround the Yankees needed? It's it's potentially uh, uh, it's a possibility. You know, when he he got put in the outfield, uh, I forget uh, uh, Friday night maybe Saturday. Is it Saturday as a defensive replacement? I think and so. and the ball found him immediately. I mean, they were talking about Paul O'Neill was talking about how you know how he's just completely nervous and and how he was like the same way when he got called in. And of course, the first first at bat balls hit right to him. And then you see him take his hat off and and read something. He had something written in his hat and uh, he read it read it to himself and then put it back on. Uh, it was it was funny to see. But yeah, the dude was definitely trying to just I think ground himself and just make sure he knew where he was. After that, after that play, you were right. It, it was Friday night that he he got put into for defensive replacement. Hopefully, we see him get a couple at bats. Uh, he was uh, he's kind of like a gap hitter in the minors, but yeah, looks like he's bigger. He's got a bigger frame than I thought. I think he's got potential to be to be a, a good a good major leaguer. I really do. I think he's that kind of scrappy guy. Plays terrific defense. I know we've talked about this before, but it was one of the best catches I've ever seen. Was when that when we were in spring training, that catch he made, you know, away from diving towards the fence onto the warning track, it was fully outstretched, like a phenomenal catch. So the dude can definitely cover some ground, and um, and he hits for average too. He hits for average. He's got some pop, so he's definitely a guy that that def- has some potential to to do well. More of a sabermetrics type guy, you know. We saw mustache rides last year turn the team season around. Maybe maybe Gamel's hair. That's so don't underestimate the hair of, of Ben Gamel is what I'm saying. Uh, your boy Ref Snyder is playing right field in the minors. So what do you think about that? You know they're they're playing him everywhere <laughs> to see what he can do. He he's going to be able to play outfield with no issue. I mean he played that. That's that's his uh, I guess natural position. He played that in college. So, what took him so long? What what took the Yankees so long to do? Oh yeah, this? that didn't take him that long. It took the Yankees this long. I don't know. I have no idea why. Why? I guess depth. They're trying to put you know position him where they can in other places because they have outfield depth. I mean, they have a lot of outfielders that have been highly touted to come up with you know the Mason Williams of the world, Slate Heathcott. There's so there's been a lot of outfielders, and you know second base I guess was a position they wanted to to you know add some depth and. Look, the guy's proven that he can play everywhere. Is he going to run into some issues defensively? Probably. But can we live with that? Yes. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. When there's a guy batting 150, yes, we can. Well, so I don't think he's ever going to play third base. I think that ship has sailed. Right field, though, is is totally possible. You mentioned guys like uh, Heathcott and Mason Williams. Those guys are both left-handed hitters. They don't need any more left-handed hitters on this team. Ref Snyder's a righty. He would fit in perfectly as a utility outfielder. Listen, if they can deal with Beltron and Dustin Ackley in the outfield, who both are below average, I'm pretty sure they can deal with Rob Refsnyder. Yeah, I'm getting sick of seeing Dustin Ackley out there now, too. He's he's starting to rub 
He's just really not doing much for me. I mean, he made a nice catch, actually. He made a nice catch he, in Baltimore on Thursday. But, but still, he's not – I don't know. I, I need I need some offensive production from these players. I mean, I, at, at what point – I know the value – that Joe Girardi's value on defense is extremely high. But at what point do you realize that you're valuing the defense way higher than you're, than you're valuing the offense – and it's sinking the team. It's legitimately sinking the team. <clears throat> run prevention, except we can't Such score a, any runs. So I, yeah, when, with run prevention, when when you're not scoring any runs, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's it, it, it's very frustrating. I, I want to see Ref Steiner on this team so freaking badly. Well, the fact that he's playing right field in the minors does give me confidence that they will call him up because they're seeing they need they're they're testing him out. They're sort of testing the waters with him where he can play. And they're going to need outfield help, I think. So I think he will get the call. Swisher, I don't know what their plan is with Swisher. At this I think point. Swisher's there for first base and first base only, honestly. Yeah, I think that he is there for to share an injury. And that's because A Rod going on the DL, it, I thought Swisher was going to get the call up because Swisher could help out at first base and you could DH to share and vice versa. But if Swisher didn't get the call for A Rod, he's only going to get the call if Tashera goes on the DL. And Teixeira will have to go on the DL before June 15th because Swisher can opt out. Not that I want that to happen, but people... I'm just not sure he will opt out People either. are excited for, for Swisher to come up to this team, but I just don't see a situation where it's going to happen. Yeah, I think it needs to be that perfect situation. And all honesty, in a... In a, in a, a the, the season that we've had so far, especially over this last two-week stretch, a guy like Swisher, to me, would be good in the clubhouse just to at least just, – just lighten it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like try to have some fun. I'm mean, like honestly, some people get are rubbed the wrong way I think by Swisher's attitude and the way he's always happy. But it's, it's, it seems to be extremely genuine. Everybody who, who – uh, all the reporters, everybody who talks to him seems like uh, say that that's just how he is. And a guy like that who's like extremely positive in the clubhouse on a struggling team – only can help, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, let's lighten it up a little bit. Yeah, Swisher's a polarizing figure for Yankee fans, I learned. Either yeah. love him or hate him. I, I like him, but not everyone does. So, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, but did you see uh, big fat boy Tolo Cologne go yard? I heard about it. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Do you know who uh, does not have any home runs or any extra base hits still on the season? I do know who it is. So, Bartolo boy. Cologne, who is... Oh, morbidly obese, a pitcher in the American League for his entire career, goes over to the National League, looks like a fish out of water when he's batting, bailing his ass all the way out of the batter's box, can barely hit, helmet flying off. That guy can hit a home run, and Chase Headley still can't even squeak out a double. He almost did. The outfielder made a nice play and cut it off, though. It was close. It's insane how he still doesn't have an extra base hit. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's so, becoming almost like I'm excited to for Chase Headley to come up just to see how much worse it can get. That like I'm a sick, sadistic person like that. So I've I've talked about we I think you and I have thrown this theory. I'm gonna go a little off of our show notes right now just because I I feel like I have a solution. And I, the Yankees I don't think are are risky enough to do it. They're not that type of that that type of team. Girardi's not that type of manager. But I you know if you're watching the Baltimore series. Uh, a couple times, uh, J.J. Hardy went out, and they slotted over Manny Machado, and he started playing shortstop. I don't know. And the kid played a phenomenal shortstop. I think he was a shortstop at some point, but he played a phenomenal shortstop. I mean, turned a double play like like it was beautiful. The dude can just play anywhere you put him, right? He's, he's, a, he's a baseball player. He knows where to play. To me, we have a, we have a solution here by – 
you know, I, Headley needs to get out of this lineup. It, it just has to happen. And if they don't want to put Torres in there full time, I still believe right now, if you took Starling Castro and put him at third base today, mm-hmm. that he would be probably the best third baseman on the team. I, I do believe that. He was a, he was a good shortstop. He's got a good glove. The, from going from shortstop to third base is a transition that can be made relatively relatively well. And guess what? I would deal with that growing pain. You do that, you make that change, there is a perfect opportunity for Rob Refsteiner to come in and play second base full-time. Boom. Problem solved. Another right-handed bat hitting for average. You got a third baseman, a second baseman. Everybody's happy. Everybody except Joe Girardi. Unbelievable. He would have a, he would have a conniption fit watching, watching Ref Snyder at second base and Starling Castro out of position. That's never going to happen. Oh, it would be so simple to do. It's something I would do in you know MLB The Show or something like that. But you know I do not. Other see teams it. do it. Other teams do this. That's the thing. Yes, Joe Madden. Teams. We saw it with the Cubs. We saw they have a stud third baseman, and guess what they do? They just put him in the outfield. Just to go play because he's a baseball player and he knows how to play positions. And guess what? They live with a little bit of defense, uh, defensive struggles. It's just they, these guys game up and they play. Let's just do it. I mean, are we really gonna to, to are we gonna lose that much of defensive production from what we're getting now? Probably not. No, Chase Headley is an, is a very average third. But what baseman. are we gonna get on the offensive side? A, a significant jump. Anything is a significant jump. Pitchers have a better slugging percentage than Chase Headley. But this is the type of that's what I'm saying. Like at this point with this two week stretch, and if this if this continues, I know we've won three of our last four, and I'm I'm very happy about that. But if this were to, if this continues and we still stay in the in the basement, these are the type of moves that can that can spark something. These are the things that you should be doing. You should be mixing it up. You should be seeing what we can do. You know, I don't know. It's it's so frustrating to me why that why we can't at least just try some things. Well, at least Torres is starting to play more. That's a positive. So it it's not like Chase Headley is out there every day starting. I know he started. I think he started Saturday against David Price, but I think he has sat three of the last four games. And coincidentally, the Yankees have won three of the last four games. It would show a lot to me if at some point, if this does, if this continues and he's still this bad, that in you know late June, if this is still struggling before the All Star break, cut bait. That would be amazing. That would show the Yankee fans so much if they would just eat that contract. I know. So they'd have to eat, what would it be, two and a half years? Yeah. Cut him. Who cares? Eat the contract. Move on with your life. Oh, my God. Other we're teams we're done- not even halfway through the Chase Headley contract. I know. I just it- realized that. We're not even halfway through. He's got two and a half more years. Two, two, two years and three quarters left. At some point, they're going to have to cut bait. I mean, they, you can't just keep writing out terrible contracts. You know, market as a as a as a you know a whoops, cut the bait, move on. This might go down as one of the worst Yankee contracts ever. I know it was only fifty three million bucks, but he's 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 a singles hitter that that only hits at one hundred and fifty average. It's amazing how bad he is. Historically bad. <laughs> wow. Uh, also putting up historically bad numbers is Mark Teixeira. He's kind of flown under the radar. We have not really mentioned him. In the last few episodes, but he is struggling extremely badly. He only has four extra base hits on the year, and two of them came in the first week of the season. So and, the last yep. five weeks, he has two extra base hits. 
And this is a guy that we need the production from. And this is this is probably a much bigger concern than the Headley is because Teixeira is a guy that's hitting 3-4. He's in a spot where he needs to drive in runs when, when you're getting Ellsbury and Gardner on base. This is a guy that they're leaning on for that. I mean, this is the X factor that we talked about that you've, you've had as an X factor for two years. I mean, this is a guy that, that really does need to produce. Because he's a switch hitter, he could go – um, to the right side of the plate when we're facing a tough lefty. We need him to produce. If he's not thumping in the middle of the lineup, one, it just it makes the lineup not what it's supposed to be. It just throws it completely off. And it just it hurts us because, you know, we it's been very, very, very well marked that, you know, runners in scoring position, the entire team is struggling. But a guy like Teixeira, when when we're ha- when you have two guys with high on base percentages in front of him, need to get those guys in. If if there's one guy that, that needs to produce, it needs to be Mark Teixeira. I'm actually really surprised he's struggling this badly because it's a contract year for him. Usually guys in contract years show up for one well, reason or another. And I another. think we kind of give him a pass. It's, I don't know if it's necessarily a pass, but it's it's almost like, oh, Teixeira's off to another slow start. Because every year, it seems like, besides last year, he's off. To, he, he gets off to a very slow start and then starts to pick it up as the, as the weather gets warmer. It's like that's just what Mark Teixeira does. But gluten-free Mark Teixeira got off real hot. So I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, it, it, maybe he's maybe he's, you know, cheating on the diet. It needs to stop. <laughs> he's, he's eating too many sandwiches before. I I saw somebody, I think uh, somebody from the Yes Network actually tweeted that Mark Teixeira has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before every game. And I, and I, I commented, I said, and then he struck it from the, yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh, so gluten-free diet has been a lie this whole time. He responded to that though, to your, to your tweet. Yeah. Yeah. He said, Oh, it was a mistake. Yeah. Sure. I guess it could be gluten-free bread, which is basically just cardboard. Um, yeah, Teixeira definitely needs to start hitting, and I think it'll make a huge difference for this lineup. Uh, with Especially with A-Rod being out, who was starting to hit, you need a power bat in the middle of the lineup. Beltran's not hitting anymore. No one's hitting. No one's hitting. We've said this for three, four weeks at this point. But if you put Teixeira in there hitting, that at least puts fear into the mind of the pitcher, where it's not an automatic out, one through nine in the lineup. So, you know, we saw the offense kind of have a, a few spurts. One of them was last Sunday night. We recorded before the game. It was in Boston. But the Yankees actually hit David Price. And it was great. And the Yankees have hit David Price now twice this season. And he's a lefty, which is shocking that they can hit a lefty of of David Price caliber. But they scored six runs. A-Rod had a monster game. But Evaldi couldn't hold the lead. Bunch of sloppy mistakes in in that game as well. It it was raining and cold. But Evaldi, every time the Yankees got him a lead, he kind of coughed it up. Yeah, he definitely did not pitch well. It was a, it was a tough game for him. Um, I really wanted to see. I mean, that was the that was the game where it was a it was a true Evaldi game with all the run support. He did, he needed to get out of there with uh, you know four runs, but he just he couldn't he couldn't uh, he couldn't put anybody away. It was a it was a tough game, and uh, that was a tough one to that's a tough one to swallow because you know the past two weeks we have not scored any runs and then we finally do and and we can't hold the the lead and and uh yeah that was a tough one that was definitely a frustrating game what sucks is i feel like i was sitting there monday morning saying the yankees easily could have won two out of three and instead they got swept right yeah because friday you know they were right there with tanaka on the mound winning two nothing they end up losing that game saturday they got blown out but but sunday was a very winnable game if Evaldi just does half of what he did in his previous start in Texas. So extremely frustrating loss, a a, a total uh, lost weekend in Boston. The team looked, looked awful. They have a day off. They go to Baltimore and 
I didn't watch this game. I, I was I was traveling this week for, for work, so I kind of missed Tuesday and Wednesday's game. I saw Severino give up four runs over six innings, so you're telling me that that was a little bit of an improvement from him? Yeah, to me, when I was watching the, the game, Severino on the mound looked, uh, to, to me, mark markedly better. He looked like a better pitcher. He looked more confident. He was using the changeup uh, to, to mix in with his pitches, and he, he was pitching pretty well. I mean, he had two errors. There were big errors that led to, to unearned runs. And that's always weird to me that a pitcher can make an error and it's an unearned run. Yeah, I know. Well, they were both they were both pat they were both passes from Teixeira that he just he just looked away and didn't look them into the glove trying to find the base and and just you know took his eye that's off the so ball. That's so frustrating. That's mental mistakes that you just got to make. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you know you're trying to run before you catch the ball. It's a it's a it's a it's you know looking upfield before you catch it, and and it, it hurt him, but. On the mound, uh, I'm just going to look at his performance on the mound. He did pitch a lot better, in my opinion. You know, he was his his fastball looked good. His changeup, which he hadn't thrown, we've been talking about this. He hasn't really thrown it. He was throwing it on Tuesday night, and it was it was effective, and it was really helping him out. So I saw I saw strides from Severino on Tuesday night, and I thought I thought he was getting a lot closer. It looked like it. So I, I'm definitely more optimistic after watching that Tuesday start. So we'll see tonight. Hopefully, hopefully tonight he can put it put it together against this lineup. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. So you're so okay. So he was using his changeup, which is good. We had been calling for that. So he must obviously listen to the podcast. He must listen to the podcast or Rothschild. Rothschild, yeah. Someone's Rothschild listening to the podcast. Yeah. Maybe Austin Romine, who you know, got into his ear. I, I know Romine's a huge fan of ours. So that's good that that we're helping out Severino. We, we better get World Series rings when that time comes because yeah. we're really adding value to this team. I mean, I'm take, I'm going to take some Evaldi credit too. But the, uh, the the and the two mistakes that Severino made were both to Trumbo. Trumbo hit the ball, you know, 500. He's having a great year. That was a good. Pick so up very them. surprising that he's having as good of a year as he is. Well, but, that's a band box, and he he's got he's kind of an all or nothing hitter. Like he's a right handed Chris Davis. Yeah, he's hitting higher. He's hitting to a higher average though than I was expecting, but he he was the one guy that that took advantage of Severino's mistakes. Other than those two at bats to, to Trumbo, Severino pitched a pretty good game. So I was uh, I was definitely definitely um, happy to see the way he pitched. Yeah, you look in the offensive column though, and it's one run. So, right. So it's like exactly. whatever. So you know maybe even though Severino pitched a better game, it didn't matter because they scored one run. But that's exactly what you have to take away because of the offense is just was was went back to sucking. You know, you have to take the the, the goods away from the, the the positives away from Severino, and I, I saw I saw improvement. Yeah, we already touched on CC's good start on Wednesday. The Yankees won seven nothing. Uh, he he pitched great. I didn't again didn't get to watch this game, but the box score looked excellent. The groin strain sucks because he's starting to really heat up. But the offense put up seven runs, so I just don't understand how you can go six runs in Boston, one run back to seven, and then Thursday night non-existent shut out completely it's just the inconsistency in this offense is unbelievable and so frustrating you can never get a win streak together like that no that's that's what's tough and in that game with cc he apparently after after when you listen to the the post-game stuff i think he said he felt the groin in the fourth or the fifth inning so he felt it earlier in the game and, and then pitched through it and you know, watching that game, he got out of a lot of jams too. I mean, he 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 pitched very well. It was it was awesome to see. He was nibbling. He was, um, you know, the pitches were working really well. He was not throwing hard at all, but he was keeping guys off balance. 
Um, he was throwing the changeup, and uh, he was commenting about how the changeup was a really, really good pitch for him on that day, and was keeping everybody off off balance. So that's that's how he has to pitch, and it really seems like he's, you know, coming going over the hump with with the way he needs to to pitch. And um, so, you know, it, hopefully he can come back from this groin injury. It's not the knees, the groin, something that's different. So hopefully it doesn't really affect him too much coming back. I haven't seen him touch ninety miles an hour this year. And he's pitching better this year than he did last year. So it's the Andy Pettit effect, right? Where exactly, Pettit yeah. Learned, Pettit and, or Messina learned to pitch with a quarter of the stuff that they had at the peak of their career. And they, they ended up pitching well towards the end. So And that just shows how good of a, a you know a, a mind they have, a baseball mind, and how well they can work around things. And I because I've always thought CeCe was a really smart baseball player. I thought he was just he's always been a good pitcher. I mean, he's had dominant stuff, but he's also been a very good pitcher. And that's why it was so surprising, I think, in the beginning, we talked about this, that he didn't make that transition immediately. And it's just taken him a little I mean, bit more it, time, but it, it seems it's like understandable, he's understandable though. Because you you're a guy that throws 95 miles an hour for every year of your career where if you're in a tough spot you just have to reach back and throw 95 miles an hour it's almost like relearning how to walk at that point because you you just go you're you're sitting there saying all i have is 89 miles an hour how am i going to get out of this jam so it's understandable that it takes a few years to adjust it took messina a couple years to adjust he had 20 wins in his last season but do you remember 2005 2006 2007 he sucked yeah so so yeah, I mean, but it seems like he's doing it. So hopefully, this groin injury is just kind of a, a blip on the radar. But, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the way he's pitching. It's definitely positive to see. Yeah, and a little extra rest for him. Yeah, it's it, not the worst thing in the yeah, world. As long honestly. as the groin isn't gonna be an issue, you know, reoccurring issue. Right. A little extra rest for CC could actually be a good thing. We yeah. saw when he had, I think he got pushed a day because of a rainout, and he came back and he had one of his best games against, uh, I believe it was Detroit. So. Yeah, and dude's just a gamer, man. He is just a gamer, and I, I love that about him. Uh, Thursday may be one of the most frustrating losses of the season. See, I feel like I, we say that at least yeah. twice a week. <laughs> I was able to watch this game. I was on a plane flying back to the East Coast, and uh, I was watching. I was the only one watching the game because I was on a flight from San Francisco to Boston. No one's watching a, a Yankees-Orioles game, but I was just ready to flip out because – Zero after zero, the Yankees offense put up. Tanaka was pitching phenomenally. He had like 100 pitches through eight innings, cruising. I'm like, just get this guy one run, and you can go to uh, Batances or Miller, and you can shut this thing out, and you can finally win a series. But they just couldn't do it. And then the top of the ninth inning. The top of the ninth inning in a scoreless game, you are pinch-hitting Chase Headley. What the it, hell is going on? I felt uh, like I was taking crazy pills. I was, it was like bizarro world. I, was, I, was, I almost thought it was a joke. I know Girardi got thrown out of the game, but he was still calling the shots from the clubhouse. I almost thought it was a joke, and he was going to call Headley back saying, just kidding, dude, you suck. Yeah, I, when I saw him come up there to pinch hit, I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. And I, I, I sent one of those tweets out just like, the, you know, what's happening here? And lo and behold, he didn't come through. First pitch ground out to second base. <laughs> yeah, it was a weak ground ball, too. <laughs> like, negative exit course, velocity. obviously. I could have told you that was going to happen. Yeah. We're lucky it was, he didn't I, strike I out. I have no idea what – I have no idea why that happened. I mean, just, you know, he's got these crazy thoughts, I think, when he, you put in a guy in a different type of situation that you'll get a different result because it'll make him, I don't know, try harder. I, I, I don't know what it is. Lock in more because it's a big situation. Well, they had uh, – what's his name? Um, o, is it O'Day, the submarine righty? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a tough at bat for Torres, but I don't care. Torres at least line it hits line drives. Yeah. 
and he's faster. Like he's got, he just got more physical tools to get on base with something. I don't know. It's just, it's just zero percent chance of of Chase Headley getting on base. But they had a chance of that inning because Castro was on second base with McCann up, and he gets picked off, oh, taking the, such a huge secondary lead. I, I that's that is shit that bad teams pull. That's the only explanation for that. That happens to bad teams because they make mental mistakes. Now, I, I can say Castro was maybe trying to get a big secondary lead because he knew he needed to score on a base hit. Yeah. And, you know, he wanted to make sure he did it. But you cannot get picked off in that situation. It goes without saying, but that is such a bad mental error that, you know, maybe that's Starlin being Starlin, right? We, we've seen that happen a few times this year. Overall, he's been good, but he does have these mental lapses. But that one, I mean, complete brain fart. I don't know what he was doing. It was a very tough situation. I have a really hard time getting on Starlin Castro because he's been one of the only bright spots of this team all this this season. But yes, it's a, it's an inexcusable point in that in that game and that situation to get picked off. Like you said, he was he was probably getting a little bit more of a secondary lead so that he could he could score. But that being said, you need to know damn well where you are, where the defense is, who's coming back to the bag. What's going on in that game? You be, need to be locked in mentally so that something like that does not happen. I mean, it just can't happen. It, with, the, with the struggles that we've had, you know, you need to be on base just in case there is a base hit. <laughs> yeah, Weeters has a strong arm, and he's not afraid to throw. So, Right. Uh, we got a voicemail from uh, Josie McFly about the uh, Girardian coaching staff use of the bullpen, so let's give that a listen. How's it going, guys? This is Joseph a.k.a. Joe's McFly on Twitter. Love listening to you guys. Look, I'm losing my mind with this team right now. So I'm calling you. It's Thursday night. I'm losing my mind right now. I don't understand. Maybe you guys can help me answer this. You probably already talked about it. But I'm just venting right now. So just please let me vent. Um, how in the world? I understand Joe Girardi is thrown out of their game, but we all know he's managing the team. How in the world? Tanaka pitches, eight innings, zero runs. Fine, you bring in Batanzas, 10 pitches. He pitches Sunday, he doesn't pitch Monday. He doesn't pitch Tuesday. Wednesday he pitches, and today he pitches. He's probably not available tomorrow. Why wouldn't you bring up Batanzas if you're not going to pitch Miller? Barbado has no reason to be in that inning. There's absolutely no, I, there's no explanation. Please help me. Help me understand this. Oh, my God. This, this season is blowing my mind. I, we're losing every single way. We're losing managing. We're losing – there's everything. Everybody's beating us every single way. I, I don't know if we just don't know how to win anymore. I, I, just, I, I, I don't know, guys. Please help me out. Help me – just explain this to me, please. Just give me my therapy today, please. Thank you. Bye. Okay, thank you, Joe, for that uh, quick rant. I feel your pain. Patances comes in and pitches, and then he goes to Barbado instead of using Miller, even though Miller was warmed up and eventually came in and pitched that game. That's a complete second-guessing, clear second-guessing of Girardi in that situation. Yeah, there's no reason to bring Barbado in that spot. I mean, Miller Miller came in in almost an impossible situation. All, all, all uh, Alvarez had to do was get a fly ball. And, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't say much about the pitcher. I mean, it's, anybody can poke a ball out. So it's a totally different situation for him. He's not even trying to get a base hit right there. He's just trying to get something deep in the in the field. So it's just a tough situation. And yeah. I agree. There's no reason for Barbado to be in that game. If Miller's warmed up, you're at a zero zero game. You gotta you gotta bring in your boys and and set yourself up for to at least try to score a run. 
Batantis, I think, could have gone out there for a second inning because he was already not going to pitch the next day. It's it's a uh, well, well that's not even because he did pitch the next day. So the the fact that he 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 took him out immediately was I don't know if Girardi thought that he was not going to use him or he was just trying to save him. But the fact of the matter is that he did pitch. So I don't know he what did, the thought you're right. Was. He did pitch on Friday. So that was a, well, it was two Girardi days in a row. Doesn't like to use three days in a row. He doesn't. He hadn't done it since uh, I think they said David Robertson in 2014 was the last time that that actually happened. <laughs> so yeah, it's not a Girardi move by any means. So that could have been the thought process at that time. And then just because of the game situation on Friday, he he used him. But um, you know, he, and I think in Girardi's mind at that point he was burned. But well, he kind of had been getting hit on that road trip. He got he got beat twice in Boston on home runs. And then uh, he Ackley had to make a phenomenal play in right field to save an extra base hit, and which probably would have been the game in the ninth inning. And if you listen to Francesa during the week too, Francesa was talking about this a number of times that apparently Batantis has been tipping his pitches, and and they've they've known when these when these pitches are coming. So apparently he's been tipping his pitches over the past couple of weeks, and that's why you're seeing a lot of these home run balls. I mean, they were they were first pitch home runs. The Ortiz was on a I think a curveball. Yeah, but and, if uh, you looked at the pitches, they were dead center. Right. Well, I mean, but they, if you know it's coming, it's still even even Batantis can throw something over the middle of the plate. And because of the drastic difference of those two pitches, yeah. they're still tough to hit. But if you know it's coming, it's a different story. But but having Miller warmed up and eventually using him, you got to just use him in the 10th inning in a yes. situation. Yes. You, you don't go to Barbado or Kirby Yates or any of those second tier guys until you've used your first tier guys. Right. You give yourself an opportunity to win the game. That's what you have to do when you're, especially when you're on the road. I mean, you're not playing, you're, you're playing to try to, to, to get that run. And then you pitch whoever's left at that point to try to save it. And yeah, that's if Miller pitches the strand the, shuttle needs to go at that point. If Miller pitches the 10th inning and you get a run in the top of the 11th, Miller will come back out for the 11th inning. Right. You at least have that decision. You at least have that opportunity to make that decision at that point. Yes. Um, so they won one game in Baltimore. Again, probably should have won two games. So another series that they lost and could have won. But at least they're winning this series over the weekend against the Red Sox. Friday was a wild game. Pineda gives up the bomb to Ortiz in the first inning. And he again was struggling to get the third out. I'm thinking to myself, here's the Michael Pineda that Jack and I have been complaining about for weeks on end. But he did settle in. Got to give him credit there. He got them through the sixth inning. Yeah, I was totally surprised by that. I think I sent a tweet out right as I saw that, that that Michael Pineda is a basket case and should not be a or can't handle being a professional athlete. I saw lots of people saying, "Can we can we re-exchange that trade?" Which is insane. Yeah, I don't know about that. Montero is now floating around the minor leagues. But the fact that he actually buckled back down and came in because because after the home run he let up uh, I think a couple more base hits too. I'm like, here we go. This is the exact same thing. It's been happening all year. It's going to happen again. And I was shocked that he came back, settled himself, and pitched very well after that. So, you know, credit to Pineda for for finally. And if you noticed, Rothschild came out a number of times. It was like he was he's like. Um, you know, babysitting Pineda. Anytime he saw Pineda, like his mind start going, and like you say, the 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 car sale arms go up. Yeah. The uh, I, I by the way, I can't not picture that now. Every time I see him, it's awful. But it's so annoying. But, but Rothschild had a very quick step out. Like immediately when he saw something happening that that Pineda was slipping mentally, he would come out there and have a talk with him. So they they definitely know when he is uh, at that breaking point. And I guess Rothschild just comes out and you know a little hoosah and 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 he gets back into the dugout. So. 
Yeah, eighth inning, Batances comes in, so he did pitch the next day, and then Girardi went immediately to Miller to get the final out of the eighth inning. I guess you could second-guess saying let Batances get the final out so Miller is fresh for the ninth inning, but the Yankees needed this game badly. He was going to go to Miller in that situation, which just goes to show you that when Chapman is here, now you have three guys to get those outs instead of just two guys. It's going to be phenomenal. But Miller uh, did have to throw, I think, 30-some high 30s in pitches, had to have the, the break in between innings, and he struggled in the ninth inning. Gave up a, a leadoff bloop, yep. and then uh, ended up being bases loaded to Ortiz when, when everything, you know, the umpire cluster happened. 3-1 pitch, I know looked low, but it was a cross-up. On a, on a cur- it was a on strike. A the 3-1 it pitch was a strike. strike. The, the pitch zone showed it was a strike. It clearly crossed at the knees. It just looked bad because of the cross-up. So that was definitely a strike. The 3-2 pitch was low, though. That was a couple inches below the zone. I completely understand why Ortiz flipped out. I loved that he flipped out and that he was crying, but I understand why. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was definitely a ball. Um, real quick, I have to go back to the Batanzas thing just to uh, comment on that as well. The uh, In the eighth inning, when Batanzas was, was going... He was out for the third day too, and and that's exactly what we said that Durardi does not do. And for so he brought him into the situation because it was a very big situation. Batances obviously he had the stuff. Batances was nasty. I mean, just nasty. He got the first two outs. He was throwing 100 miles an hour. He was he looked phenomenal, and then gave up like a broken bat. It was I forget it was a ground ball or a bloop. It was some, it was a nonsense base hit, and he was pissed off when Girardi came out and took the ball. He did not yeah. want to give him the ball. I don't blame so, him. I, I yeah I, I was I was shocked that Girardi came out and took the ball from him at that point because he was throwing so well. I would have left Batances in there. I absolutely would have left him in. Especially I think though the two home runs he gave up in Boston kind of spooked Girardi. I guess I don't know. At that point, if he's out there, I'm letting him play and giving Miller a clean inning. But yeah. anyway, besides the point, the Ortiz three two pitch, hundred percent low. I love that it was called the strike. It made me so happy, and the fact that he just went ape shit was awesome. It's it was, literally it was, the first break the Yankees have gotten all season. Can we need, can, can we please get a break for God's sakes? Give us a break, and we got it. We needed it, and we got it. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, but uh, people like. Saying, oh, Ortiz, this class, like, look at the lack of class in his farewell tour, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I want my players to flip out in that situation too because that was ridiculous. Well, he should have been tossed before that. Uh, one of the batters should have been tossed before that because they were arguing balls and strikes all day. That umpire was awful. I understand that, but why is the umpire, umpire going to take the fact that they're calling the, they're they're arguing all day long? So, because, uh, so I've seen this before, and I think umpires know when they're having a terrible night, and they give guys a little bit more leeway to yell at them because they're having a bad night. They, it's understandable. It's that's that's ridiculous. Both sides were complaining then stop about calling the strike bad, zone. Then stop calling bad strikes. Then stop it. Like, <laughs> He's having a bad day. He's having an off night. You're not uh, just be like, oh, I'm having a bad day and my bad day is going to continue so you can yell at me. Umpires no. are people too, Scott. There's no way that goes through his mind. He, These guys, I mean, Hanley Ramirez literally turned around and was like showing this guy up. Ortiz turned around and showed this guy. The, Pedroio, I think, did it at one point. They were all like literally turning around and showing him up in front of the entire stadium and I, I, I can't believe one of these guys weren't run, wasn't run before that. So the fact that he was run, I feel like that strike call was kind of an F you to all of the Red Sox players for not for for yelling all the time to say F you when that would have been the tying run. Stick it to the man. I love it. Yeah. It, it, the Yankees needed all the help they can get that night. And maybe that's that's gonna be a little bit of a turnaround. You know, you get you catch a break and maybe you can ride that momentum. Yeah, it was it was great. I don't know if did you check the uh the post game interview with, with Andrew Miller? He's such a no, such I, I didn't a, see it. 
he's like the boy next door, man. He was like, oh, shucks. Well, he's, he's such a good, good hitter. And man, we really just got out of that jam. It was, it was, I don't know. The way he was talking was pretty funny. That almost makes it, that probably annoys Ortiz even more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Saturday, the Yankees crushed David Price for the second time this season. What's going on with David Price? He's I mean, only pre- had one good game, and I think it came against the Atlanta Braves, who are, other than the Yankees, the worst offensive team in the league. He's going to get better as the contract goes on, right? Yeah, that's how, yeah, that's how big contracts work when yeah. guys age into their 30s. Yeah, they get better. I can't wait. I hope I hope this is a terrible contract for a long time. I really do. It would be... It would really mean a lot to me, the fact that they would have to sit with a, a terrible number one pitcher who's just not pitching to his expectations. And then Fatboy Sandoval, that's that's amazing. This is this is payback for what the Dodgers bailed them out. Well, the, the I don't know. Out. They are in first place, so. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, no, but the fact that they're in first place and David Price has been one of their worst pitchers is kind of scary. Yeah, well, that's what Jersey Boy uh, Porcello has been pitching out of his mind. So this is going to sound stupid, but I think there's some merit to it. David Price does not look right in a Boston Red Sox uniform. He just looks weird. The the uniform looks weird on him for whatever reason. Just the same way it was with Carl Crawford. Just didn't look right in a Boston Red Sox uniform. And I think maybe it's just not a good fit for him. Yeah, I don't really care. It's just a matter. First of all, the Yankees have you know, historically hit David Price. There's been some outings where he's shut us down. But if you look at the numbers overall against the New York Yankees, the Yankees have have, have gotten to him historically. It's, it's It's been a guy that for some reason we've been able to hit. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, the one of the big things with David Price is I feel like he he gets in his own head too. I mean, he takes forever on the mound. Yep. He's he's painful to watch. If you're listening, if you ever listen to John and Susan doing a, a Price game, all they do is complain about the entire game. And it really is painfully slow. But I feel like, you know, he gets in the set position and then just hangs out there. It's like he – I don't know if he's just – to me as a pitcher, pace is a big deal. Like you want to, to have a, 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 some type, a type of pace for yourself and there's just no pace at all. It's, it, it's not constant. It's, it changes and it's just slower and slower and slower. It's awful. It doesn't look like it would work. If and umpires just, actually enforce that pitch uh, second clock, which they don't, I've never seen it happen, I feel like Price would get penalized. Yeah, because he just stands around there. He takes forever to walk back to the mound. He kicks dirt, gets back in. It just takes a long time. I don't know how that's good for a pitcher. I just, it never, it never made sense to me. But so Didi and Romine came up with the big two out RBIs. Didi was the big bases clearing double. Uh, I di- I almost couldn't believe my eyes. I, yeah, I I knew what I was watching, but I kind of forgot what two out RBIs felt like, and they feel good. That was a huge hit too. Bases clearing. I mean, that was a giant hit, and and the fact that that Didi did it because Didi has been struggling. He was last week. He was actually lower than Chase Headley on the hard ball percentage off the bat. He was last in the MLB. No, but I don't know how that's possible. No one is, is lower. He than was. Chase he was. <laughs> he was number one lowest. And you know the fact that he's been coming back and making some good. Obviously, the the dude's a stud in the in the, in the field. But getting a big hit like that, I think, is a lot is very good for his confidence. And man, Austin Romine. I mean, I got to give a, a three a, hits. I got to give a yeah a round of applause, to Austin Romine. He's been a hell of a, uh, a he's been a hell of a player this year so far. I mean, he's he's been hitting the ball well. He came up big, three hits in that game. I mean, good for him. He really really has taken advantage of this opportunity. I think it's important to note that John Ryan Murphy was sent down to AAA. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's 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 notable right there. I mean, he, uh, he was going to be the backup catcher on this team, and the fact that Romine has stepped in, really picked up his game offensively, and is still that guy, that rock solid guy behind the plate, says a lot about Romine. I mean, he's he's definitely made some some big strides. Speaking of uh, John Ryan Murphy, we forgot to mention Aaron Hicks' home run from the left side, which is huge because he he looked overmatched most of the time batting left-handed, but perhaps that can get him going. Yeah, I mean, he's. We we needed him to get going. You could you could see the the kind of relief in his in his face once once he finally hit it, and he's done some good things. He's he's definitely done some good things offensively in the past couple of games. So hopefully that continues, especially with the with the Ellsbury injury, you know, and and with Beltran just not hitting. We need him to we need him to come in and, and step up, especially against left-handed pitching. Although ironically, he kind of misplayed a ball Friday night in center field. Yeah, the wind was weird. I don't know if you saw it with the very first, I think it was the first out of the game, actually. It was a fly ball to Ellsbury in center field. And he just said, wow, because he had to really run in and catch that ball. The wind was swirling in center. Yeah. I think it really threw them off. Yeah, but uh, it actually led to a run and the ball yes. easily could have been caught. Yes. It, it, you know, maybe it was the wind, but hey. Um, Evaldi, great start on Saturday and they needed it because Miller and Batances were unavailable. So I don't know who they planned on having be the closer that day, but he gave them eight innings. The offense picked it up. Evaldi, two out of three good starts in his last last three starts. I'm going to try and stay positive. This try. Is Why are you it's, trying? This is weird for me, but I'm, I'm going to focus on the, the near no-hitter in Texas and the solid start against Boston for Evaldi instead of the time he got absolutely shellacked in Boston. Yeah, don't forget about the weather in that in, in that game, too, with both guys struggling. It was a it was a bad night to be pitcher in that game. I'm not, I'm not using that as an excuse. Well, I kind of am. But... <laughs> The the Evaldi that we've seen in those two games that you're talking about, the Texas start where where he was no hit he was throwing a no hitter deep into the game, and then this game, this game more to me because one, you're playing you're playing Boston, it's at home, it's it's a it's a game that the Yankees absolutely needed depth from him. So this was not like co out, you know, just pitch your game. No, no, we needed a big start and we needed a long start from you. And he delivered, man. He was pitching efficiently, and guess what he was getting all game? He was getting ground balls, double plays. This is exactly what we've been talking about. I've been saying this for the past year with Evaldi. The fact that he pitches, and some of those base hits, man, were just ground balls that found holes, and that's going to happen. But the, the more ground balls he, he's getting and the fact that he's getting those ground balls to get out of innings quicker with double plays, it was a couple big double plays in that game that got him out of the inning, helps him pitch deeper in the game, gives him confidence, and uh, the other thing we saw from him, he was throwing the fastball more, and there was movement on it. I don't know if you saw the movement, the, the side-to-side movement on that fastball, but it was, it, was, it was impressive. He could throw his fastball more as long as he has a working off-speed pitch to keep hitters honest. So if his fastball is, thing, if right. he's feeling a good fastball that day and he wants to throw it a lot, great. You just got to throw the, you got to uh, show the splitter and the slider as pitches that can be good pitches. They don't need to be working like they were in uh, Texas where they were phenomenal. Right. They just need to be good, right? Uh, solid major league pitches, and Evaldi can be a good pitcher. Um, so it was good to see, and he stepped up. So you got to give him credit there. Tonight Severino is pitching. He needs to continue to improve on his start in Baltimore. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how he does. Uh, hopefully, the Yankees don't play many more Sunday night games because I hate them. Monday, though, we will see the return, or not the return, the debut the of Aroldis Chapman, which totally changes the look of the bullpen. Maybe this can g- give the team a little bit of a spark. If they get a sweep of Boston, they have some momentum, they have some confidence with Aroldis Chapman coming back. 
it's still plenty of time in the season. We can we can get back in this thing. There's no doubt. I mean, I know everybody's freaking out about the season and and what's what's been happening. And just because the offense has been so historically bad, I think has really made it worse. Just the fact that we've been losing and just not scoring any runs. So this cannot last. I said this last week. This cannot last. I mean, you you don't see a full team struggling for this long. Baseball comes back around, and I I. I got to believe that it's starting to come back around you know hopefully the weather can warm up and stay warm and i really think that's going to help this team i think it helps our team out the yankees more than it helps other teams out because of the aging bones that we have on this team so i, I do believe it'll help <laughs> all the arthritic bones yeah yeah give me, some, give me some loose hot weather yeah uh, they have, they're in the middle of a tough stretch. I mean, they played Boston and then Baltimore, two good teams, Boston again. Then they got the defending champs, Kansas city, who I know is struggling a, a little bit, but Kansas city's coming in for four. And then you got the white Sox, who are the second best team in the league. Both, both Chicago teams are on fire. They have the two best records, but the Royals, uh, they're 15 and 14. So I guess this is as good a time as any to play the defending world series champs. Yeah, they've been struggling lately and just lost uh, Moustakas to the DL with, uh, I think, a broken thumb. So that's, I mean, look, they're, we know who they are. They're a good team and they're not going to play, you know, this badly for, for long stretches. But they are struggling right now. So it's, you know, it's if, we're, if we are to play a, a Kansas City team, I'd rather play them when they're struggling, obviously, and at home. So yeah, it's a, it's a good time to do it. Hopefully the Yankees can take advantage of that. The thing with Kansas City, though, is that they're still not a team that beats themselves. So they're going to play solid baseball. They're going to put the bat on the ball. So you have to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. So does Ian Kennedy have like a <laughs> what's what's that home the homecoming like for Ian Kennedy at Yankee Stadium? Is this the first time he will be facing? Actually, I didn't even look it up. Is Ian Kennedy pitching in the series? I, I didn't look it up either. We should. That's I'm, something I'm we should have looked it, up. I'm doing it right now, but he somehow he is the Royals' ace. He's their best pitcher. We mocked beyond to no end <laughs> that contract. The contract was was ridiculous, and I think one of the big reasons they wanted that they wanted him or a guy like Ian Kennedy is because he gets you know he eats a lot of innings, and he's a guy that that I think with with a good team behind him, you know, can probably fare a lot better. You know, he was with that that Padres team that was just terrible, and you know he never really got much of an opportunity to have to be on a good team. So you know the fact that he's on a a good team and they're not playing well right now, but it's a it is a good team behind him where you know he's starting to see some success. So I'm you know I'm I'm kind of happy for the kid. He's pitching not, the last game. Okay, I'm not going to be happy for him when he's pitching that game. We need to whoop his butt in the Bronx. That's that's what I'd like to see. Uh, I do not want one of uh, one of the uh, the the Jabba, Phil Hughes, Ian Kennedy trio come back and beat us. Feel I oh god when Phil Hughes came back that first year with Minnesota and pitched well at Yankee Stadium. If, so yeah. frustrating. So frustrating. <laughs> uh, the White Sox though have been nasty. They've been a great team. Uh, Chris Sale, who will pitch against the Yankees. I still think is probably has the nastiest stuff in the league. Quintana's been great, and your favorite pitcher of all time, Matt Latos, has been pitching great. Yeah, Matt Latos is a guy that has all the ability in the world. Um, he's just a hoodlum, and he can't. You know, he's, he's a some, hoodlum. He hasn't been able to put you it together. Never have sounded like a crustier old man when you <laughs> called him a hoodlum. But uh, but yeah, you know, he's been pitching well, and Sale. I was listening to, I think it was uh, MLB Radio. I was listening to. They were they were actually comparing Sale and and Randy Johnson's delivery, and it was uh, John Smoltz and I forget who the other guy was talking. Anyway, they were talking about the two of them, and they were actually saying that Chris Sale 
has a lot more of a of a deceptive delivery than than Randy Johnson, and they would they would not want to face they would face Randy Johnson over Chris Sale. Like that was the comparison. That's frightening. Yeah, because uh because of Chris Sale, the way he hides the ball. Yeah. And then and then and then kind of submarines on you. He's got that crazy arm angle. Yeah, Randy was definitely three quarters sales, almost sidearm. Yeah, and and Johnson, you could see him coming, and it was pretty consistent. Whereas whereas Sale, he throws from different pockets. He's an interesting guy. He really is. He's nasty. And coming from the left side of it, it's just, I I I do not I do not. Uh, That's gonna be a tough game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know these guys are we 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 are having a hard time facing lefties. That especially, we need Robert Epstein up for that game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the thing that Randy Johnson had over Chris Sale was the ugly intimidation factor. That's true. He did look like Splinter on the mound. It was it's tough. <laughs> he looked like the crater face from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into some mailbags. We got a bunch this week, so uh, why don't you kick it off? All right, this one is from Nick Tedesco. This team is starting to take losing baseball games to the point of an art form. I don't get it. Watching it makes me want to cry, puke, and drink all at the same time. This sucks. With that being said... Who do you think we take with the first overall pick <laughs> in next year's draft? Also, if Trump becomes president, is there any way somehow that we can get Headley deported? So there's, right, that's, there's, that's, an, that's an A-plus mailbag. There's I gotta... two reasons I wanted to include this. First of all, uh, yeah, puke, drink, and cry all at the same time, I think, is sums up this season so far perfectly. But uh, we haven't even had the 2016 MLB draft yet. So... I have no clue who's going to be in the 2017 MLB draft. I'm not even going to pretend to know. So, uh, Nick, maybe Scott and I can do some research after this season on, on, the, on the MLB draft. And I got to believe a lot of this was in jest just because of how bad we I know. I understand that. But I would and, like to get maybe a, uh, a, a prospect expert on who knows some of the college guys that could be drafted and, uh, and get some stuff going for the offseason. Well, good timing because I was talking to uh, to the guys over at Pinstripe Prospects and 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 talking to them about getting on the on the show in the next couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll we'll hook that up. Excellent. And uh, if Trump becomes president, so I think Donald Trump and George Steinbrenner have a lot of similarities. Yes. So you know, I think Trump could get Headley deported, just like uh, Steinbrenner tried to get, uh, Dave Winfield banned from, from the Yankees for uh, hiring a private investigator to dig up dirt on him. They do have some similarities. They're very, they're very, uh, polarizing, uh, figures in, in, in power in New York. I don't know. They, they do have some similarities there. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I, I do think they could get him deported, but, uh, we'll see. I know a lot of people are scared of Trump. <laughs> Next one is from Josie McFly, who did, who also submitted a voicemail. So thank you, Joe. He says, okay, let's get the obvious out of the way. We all hate Chase Headley. Wouldn't Joey Gallo make perfect sense for the Yankees to target? Beltre signed an extension, and the Rangers obviously value Nomar Mazzara ahead of him in outfield. They have no closer. Why don't we trade a bullpen piece for Gallo and another prospect? Hashtag Chase Headley sucks. <laughs> well, I, I just don't think, first of all, Gallo is one. There's there's definitely more spots in the in the outfield uh, that for for the Rangers. I, I do think they still uh, hi, highly uh, tout Gallo. I think they're gonna they they see him in their long term plans. I don't think they're gonna give him up. I, I can't see the Yankees going after someone like that in the American League. Um, it, it would be I, I think he would be 
a nice a nice piece, but I just don't I don't know if he's a, a, a also a full time third baseman either. And yeah. we do have a guy under two and a half years contract who, unless they do eat that contract, there's he's still there. Yeah, I think they signed Belcher to the extension because they see Gallo more as an outfielder than a yeah. third baseman. And I know Mazzara's had uh, a little bit of a hot start to the season, but but Gallo still has plenty of of space. There's plenty of space for him in the outfield. Yeah. So he's 22 years old. They're not getting rid of him, especially for a bullpen arm to help them this year. Um, the, the Rangers, I don't think are that short-sighted. And if he is an outfielder we have outfielders and we have prospect outfielders. So I, I just don't see a fit. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And, and the Chase Headley thing, I, I really think, unfortunately, barring, barring the Yankees growing some balls and just eating that contract, we're stuck with them. All right. What do we got next? All right. The next one is from Dan. I have heard from you and others that base running errors are a big part of the woes outside the dead bats. I think it's time for the team to find some consultants or other coaches to help team and to help teach and coach small ball. Model the twins who taught and played small ball for many years. Yankees have tried to win right now with what they have. They can't assume the bats will wake up. Future bats will be there. But let's try to sway 20 games our way by focusing on a small ball this year. Thoughts? So you take this one first. I have I have some some very strong thoughts about this. Unfortunately, the Yankees don't have players to play small ball. <laughs> I mean, think about think about a guy like Didi who we thought could play small ball and he couldn't bunt. So if Didi's not able to do it, how can you expect guys like uh, you know McCann and Teixeira and Beltron and A Rod to to play small ball? I would love it. I would love to see Girardi do hit and run more. But when the offense is this bad. And this anemic small ball doesn't really help you either. It's just you need to start hitting a little bit eventually. And one thing I've seen, so look, I'm I'm Dan, I agree with you to to an extent. Like these guys need to start taking advantage of more opportunities. And I think over the past week, or I don't know, over the past five days, we've seen them run more. I mean, Gardner's been running, Ellsbury's been running. We've seen them start to take advantage of of, of the speed a little bit more. I, it looks like they have green lights going out there. And you mentioned Didi not being able to bunt. Like that was very surprising and and, and just disheartening to tell you the truth. Watching him try to bunt, it was it was not good. Um, but you know, with the shift, like. Can we can we get it with the shift going? Let, let's let's lay down a bun. Let's try that. Let's try to play a little bit of small ball with that. That that drives me insane. The shift, people not trying to beat the shift. Like you, you're a professional baseball player, you should be able to hit the you know or at least slap a ball the other way. I actually saw Dustin Ackley do it uh, last week, which was which was very surprising, but it was awesome to see. He did slap a ball down the left field line to beat the shift. So thank you, Dustin Ackley, for doing that. But I, I think we are going to see a little bit more of them. You know, running more often and and you know possibly hit and run. But you're right; you got to be able to hit the ball to hit and run. The time I really would like to see guys try and beat the shift more is when they lead off an inning. If there's guys on base, and I understand like McCann is up, he's trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark or drive something into the gap. But if he's leading off an inning and he can get a cheap base hit bunt single, do it. Do it every time. I, I totally agree with you. I, I don't care trying to hit the ball over the over the shift or through the shift, as they say. It's just, you know, it doesn't work with Teixeira. It doesn't. <laughs> he needs to do something else. I mean, because I can't, how many times has he hit that infielder that's standing out in shallow right field? He hits him like every time. I swear to God, that guy's got a target on his yeah. glove. It seems like once a game. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Dan. The next mailbag is from Owen Casey. He says, hi, guys. I would like to give you guys a round of applause because you're the only radio slash podcast show that tries to get the positive 
out of these dreadful Yankees. It's pretty funny teams. that Andrew's reading this, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say that he must, he must just listen to you when you talk. I mean, as a Yankee fan, I kind of get tired hearing these sports shows that just diss the Yankees, but don't actually try to talk positive about the Yankees. And after hearing these so many times, it seems like these sports shows are on a broken record. So thank you guys. So he, you know, we do try to find some positives where, where possible, but, but you have to understand the national media loves it when the Yankees are struggling and they're going to take every opportunity they can get to exploit the fact that the Yankees are in last place. That's what happens when you're, you've been the king for so long. Well, it's also not just the national shows, but you're getting a lot of the local shows that take a lot of callers. I mean, New York shows take a lot of callers. And I mean, there's a lot of pissed off people in in the Northeast. Bobby from the Bronx is not happy. Just in general, there's pissed off people in the Northeast. I mean, it's like, you know, if you live in New York, if you live in the Boston area, you you have, uh, you know, a certain edge to you uh, just because of the, I think, the weather and just the type of people. You kind of have to have that that guard up. Um, But, you know, the... The fact, first of all, can I, I want to thank you for saying the word dis in there. I haven't heard that in a long time. Appreciate that. And, you know, we try to find positives. I, I like to look at the positives because to me, it's just when you start going on the negatives, it just weighs you down. And then you just get, I just get mad watching the games and it just, it's not enjoyable for me. So I try to look for positives because I, I do think there can be a positive outcome for, for things. I mean, I wrote, I was pinch hitting for, for Andrew on Friday, he was traveling. So I wrote, I wrote a column on Friday and I was looking at the positives, just like how things can happen. Even if this season is a total sham and we end up not playing well and we end up having a lost season to me, I still think that there are very positive things that can happen. You know, there's positive things that can happen to the trade deadline. There's positive things that can happen if we're out of it by bringing guys up and get the major league experience. There are positive things that can happen even in a lost season this year. I, I do believe that. So I appreciate you. That's uh, why we have a good di- dynamic because you're you're positive. You're glass half full. I'm glass half empty. Yeah, yin and yang, baby. Let's go. All right, next one's from Sebastian. First of all, guys, thank you so much. There's a ton of mailbags. You guys were fired up. I think losing does that. You see what I'm saying? This is why the radio yeah, show. Yeah, there's called. more callers when the when the Yankees exactly. are stinking. There's more mailbags when they yeah. stink. So uh, this is from Sebastian. Hey guys, thank you for your efforts during the dark time of the Yankees. I have I have uh, I have two sets of words: lack of leadership, lack of motivation. Girardi needs to go. I am re- I'm really frustrated and angry. What did they need to do to get better? Thank you again and keep it up. The the motivation and and leadership. It looks like there's a lack of motivation. There's no doubt. Honestly, like these guys, over the past two weeks, they just don't look like they were up for the games. It looks like they were just kind of sulking and. To me, the leadership does need to 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 stop that. They need to. Girardi needs to to absolutely stop that, and he's just not that type of guy. So w- when you talk about player leadership, usually the player needs to be playing well. It's hard to lead when you're batting 150. So that's why I was looking to Arod, who was starting to get hot, starting to lead the team, and now he goes on the DL. So who is that veteran guy? Or it doesn't even have to be a veteran. It could be Castro or Didi. Someone needs to get hot and be a leader in that clubhouse. I'm looking to Teixeira. Teixeira needs to do that in my mind. Well, see, I think it's I think the two guys that I'm looking at because Teixeira to me doesn't seem like a rah rah guy in the in the dugout. But the two guys that I think could really rally a clubhouse are Gardner and McCann. I think Gardner definitely is. I mean, he's he's kind of like the the you know the homegrown guy on the team, right? He's like the guy that that Yankee fans 
probably have the most admiration for just because he came up through the system. And then you have McCann, who's the catcher, who should be leading the team as, as kind of a vocal leader, both on the field as the vocal leader, because that is the position. But then off the field, I mean, he's kind of a fiery guy. I mean, I, I definitely think those are two guys that could, could really take a stand and, and you know, change around some attitudes. Not to mention, I think Gardner's been playing pretty well. I think they're, and, and even McCann up until the last couple of weeks has been playing pretty well. So I, I look for those two guys to actually step it up, especially Gardner. I don't, I don't see Girardi getting fired this year, though. No, because you know we talked about this on the off season. It's a, it's a very interesting position with the with the contracts that are coming off the books, and how well Girardi does with young guys. Yeah, that's what I think they're keeping him there for. I mean, he does develop players well, and if we have this this kind of resurgence coming of of a lot of young guys coming up in the next year or two years, Girardi's actually a good fit for those types of guys. So. I don't see him going anywhere either. All right. Uh, this next mailbag is from Greg, and I'm very happy that I will be reading this one. He says, hey, guys, I just want to start off by saying I really enjoy the podcast. I've been looking for a Yankees podcast to listen to for years, and I'm glad I finally found one. My only problem with your podcast is that you guys continuously use the word we when referring to the Yankees. I understand you guys are diehard fans, as am I, but it does sound very childish and unprofessional when you keep saying it. Your opening template on your website clearly states you have no affiliation with the New York Yankees, so I don't understand why you continue to say we. Other than that, please keep up what you are doing. I'm a huge fan. Be nice. (laughs) Greg, come on, dude. (laughs) You clearly aren't a diehard fan if you don't say we, because every diehard fan I know says we. It's just what you say. It doesn't mean that I think I play for the Yankees or coach the Yankees or... Or have any ownership stake in the Yankees. It's just what I say. I've been saying it since I was a little kid. Get over it. When you get when you get this far into a team and you you have the amount of emotions that we have, and I, and I know many other Yankee fans have, and many other sports fans in general. I think this is an age old argument where people talk about this whole we thing, and it, and it kind of drives me a little crazy. But like it just doesn't matter. Like childish or unprofessional. First of all, we're not professional. No one ever said we were. We never said we were. So. I think it actually says un, not professional in parentheses in the podcast page. Yeah, well, yeah, it does say uh, it says unaffiliated, unaffiliated. or something. Anyway, whatever. I, I I like to. I don't even realize I say it sometimes. It just comes out because I do feel like I'm a part. When you get this invested and you spend this much time, uh, you know, watching a team, dissecting a team, living and dying with every roster that comes in and out, every guy who's played these things, you know, on this team and worn the pinstripes since, you know, I wrote that I've been watching probably since like 1987, 88. Yeah, there's a we there. I'm invested into this team. And sometimes it, it just comes out that I, you know, like we need to get things going because I feel like if I, if I'm positive, they'll play better. I do feel that way. It, I don't know if that's, it's, it has zero bearing on these guys. They don't listen to my show, but it makes me feel better. So I, I'll probably say it again and again and again. Um, I don't so know. I'm sorry, but that's yeah. Yeah, there's there's that 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 probably won't change. You know, we get some some you know constructive criticism on Twitter or whatever, and and I usually try and work on it because I I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, that I people do. are Absolutely. listening, and if we can be better and make the listening experience more enjoyable, I by all means will try it. But I'm just not going to stop saying we because it would be too difficult. Um. All right. <laughs> what do we got next? 
All right, we got to roll through these next ones. Uh, Tyler Piet, uh, I think he he's definitely, I've, I've, I've talked to him on Twitter before. So you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Something that probably hasn't been said in the clubhouse in, since 2015. Right. Uh, until the last couple of days. But I'm writing this on Tuesday, so hopefully my question will be answered before you record on Sunday. I should, probably shouldn't have read that. How much worse do you think the situation can get before it gets better? And what would you do if you're in Girardi's position besides benching heavily? You're like Ron Burgundy, who just reads anything. On the yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I'll take this one first. So I've already posed. I I like to mix things up. Like I, I I'm I'm a believer that Major League Baseball players can play different positions. Uh, you know, obviously with some with some limitations. You know, if a guy's played on the left side of the field, I believe that he can make a transition from third to short, and and it would be you know a relatively. I mean, there will be growing pains, but I think it, it can happen. So I, if if these struggles continue to happen, I would like to see, you know, changes in that way. Let, let's get some of the best baseball players on the field at one time. I, I, you know, if you have to shift a little bit in positions, fine. Other teams have done it. We saw when I, I keep bringing this up, but Joe Madden does it all the time when he brought uh, the third baseman. His name is eluding me right now. Um, the stud third baseman Brian. for the Cubs. Bryant, yes, thank you. Chris Bryant. He was playing in the outfield. I mean, this guy came up as a third baseman, but he was he played, you know, a dozen and a half, dozen half a dozen games in the outfield last year because Joe Madden knows that he's a he's a guy who just knows how to play baseball. And most of these guys are. Starling Castro, one of those guys, I believe. I believe Starling Castro could go to third base and play it probably with with you know at almost on the same level as Chase Headley. I believe he could do that. So I don't know. That's the type of thing that I would like to see. I would like to see some mixing it up and just throwing things out on a wall and see if it sticks. If this season does become a lost season, why the hell not? Let's see what we can do. Let's try to assemble the best team every single night. So that actually, I don't have anything to add because that segues perfectly into this next one from Jimmy. He says, if come the trade deadline, the Yankees are still struggling. Could you see them trading away one of their starters and bringing up prospects like Sanchez or Judge to give them a shot in the arm this year? So, interesting question. Yes. Will the Yankees be sellers at the deadline if they're still in last place? Or, this is a great or question, close actually. to the bottom? It's a big question. We've never seen the Yankees be sellers. They've always right. been either buyers or just not. They're not going to do anything. Um, I could honestly see them selling a piece like Andrew Miller or Aroldis yes. Chapman at the trade yes. deadline. And I actually think it would be very smart if they're still in last place. Because Chapman's probably not coming back anyway. And I know we love Andrew Miller and he's locked up for another two years, but you could get a lot for him. You could yes. get a very good prospect for Andrew Miller to trade him to a team that is in contention this year and needs you know, a, a bullpen arm to put them over the hump. We are in such a position of strength in that bullpen that if this season does become a loss, I really do hope it happens before the, or before the trade deadline so that we can make the, a, a, a trade like that. Do I love Andrew Miller? I absolutely love Andrew Miller. He's been nothing but phenomenal for this team. He's he's pitched in any inning you ask. He's done everything you ask him to do, and he's been damn good every single time he goes out there. But like Andrew was just saying, this is a time where we could get a a, a very good a very good uh, pullback of of young talent for. For a guy like him, you look at a team like the Nationals or a team like the Dodgers who are in the National League, wouldn't really hurt the Yankees in the American League to send one of those guys there that are in a position to win now. They that have that have uh, chips to trade, they will do it. They will make that move. Neither one of those teams, both of those teams could could use bullpen help. And you send a guy over there like Chapman or like Miller, you're going to get a, a, a very nice return. Now that Chapman's 
uh, off the field, uh, you know, problems are kind of in the past and he's already served the suspension and all that. To me, all he's going to do is build value now when he comes back. He's going to build and build value. And if these Yankees are at a, a, a position where they're not they, – they even, even if they're not in last place, but they see that they're not going to be making it, I really do hope that they make that move because we have Dolan Batantis. And to me, he is the closer of the future. Yeah, and if they really feel like they need to keep either Miller or Chapman, say they trade Miller away – and they put value in Chapman, they could always re-sign him and just give him the money that they were going to be owing to Andrew Miller. That's true. I mean, you look at this deal. I think Chapman is coming over. I mean, I'm trying to get into Cashman's head because I do believe, I wrote in this column, go check out my column, by the way. It's like the first column I've written in a long time. It was go very check good, that by out. the way. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. I actually took a lot of time on that one. <laughs> but the uh, the... The one, the one of the big things. If you, I'm going to go into Cashman's mind, and the fact that they didn't ch- sign a free agent this this past year, they didn't make a big splash, leads me to believe that this this is the plan that they've been they going after the the blueprint that we've talked about. You know, b- bringing the youth up and then supplement it with uh, free agent guys when when we know kind of what we have, but building that youth. The fact that they have Botantis in their back pocket right now leads Chapman and Miller both uh, to me ready. And, and available trade chips. Now Chapman comes over on one year. So if the Yankees did find, uh, you know, did find some so a hot streak and, and played well, well then great, we have him for the year and it'll be effective. But if we're not doing well, he's going to be a great chip to trade at that point too. It's a, it's a great position to be in, and I do believe the Yankees think thought that this was going to happen at some point. And that we were going to have a down year. And I, I, I said in my article that I do believe they're willing to trade. I just hope I'm right with that. Because if they are in this position, I do hope they're willing to trade. Because I think that it will only help our team out significantly going forward. I mean, all we would do is get younger and better. Think about that. For the next five to ten years, it would be a big move in this franchise's history, in my opinion. I definitely agree. All right, we got one more. And then we're going to get out of here. It's from James Stark, which is a great name. He says, hey guys, written after the Red Sox series away, James from Australia had it up to here. Open my hand on my forehead. So <laughs> thank you for the for the notes. I probably shouldn't have read that either. Only missed one game for the year, and that was the first one in Texas. The team's a joke, and Girardi is the worst offender. Number one, Headley out and Ronald in every day. Number two, Pineda shot him. Jokes just offloaded for a slab of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Or get Fat Montero back. Number three, Girardi out and Jorge in. I believe he means Jorge Posada. Uh, number four, Beltran out. Sick of death to this guy in the field. He hits His hits don't outweigh the hits and runs he allows. He has a second number four. Hicks, useless with the bat. Could not get a root in a brothel for that guy. I don't understand some of these <laughs> Australian jokes. Number five, Romine. Piss off. Not good enough. Number six, Severino, will be in my email next week. <laughs> so he, so he the way he's or so the way he's going. So he's still okay on Severino, but but maybe not next week. Right. Number seven, Dellen, getting way ahead of himself, thinking he's all that and blowing two games last week. I can't even look at him. Number eight, Nathan, how hard is it to effing pitch? I can't believe the only guy who is not making me angry is Cece. Too bad he's on the DL now. I, I really can't believe it. 70 hours wasted. Trade the lot. Paying $27 million in luxury tax for what? There's a bunch of hacks. Okay, angry rant over. 
All right, first of all, James, please don't do this to us anymore, okay? We, you need to call in and leave a voicemail so that we can <laughs> we can hear you say this the right way because we're totally screwing up the way that you guys you guys definitely have some some uh, some terms in there that we don't use in the U.S. and uh, it would be so much more effective. If and you what's that number that he can call? It is six four six four eight zero zero three four two. So great, great rant, James. Uh, hopefully, you know, some of this, I'm not going to really add much to this. Uh, I disagree with you on Batances. I think he's fine. And, uh, you know, some of the other guys. I don't know if Jorge Posada wants to manage, but uh, I would love it. Um, do you have anything to add to it, Scott? Yeah, for those guys who are out of the country as well, if it's if it's expensive or whatever to call in, um, shoot us an email with your Skype name, too, and I'll send you a Skype request so that you can do it through Skype. So it's so then it's free, and we could uh, we could have a, um, a, a we could have some some international voicemails. Look at you helping the people out. That's what I'm there. I'm there for the people. All right. Well, hopefully tonight the Yankees can dust off the brooms and they can get that sweep of Boston, and we can ride some momentum uh, with the Kansas City series. Any last words, Scott? No, we just need this momentum to continue. We need to hit the ball and uh, and win some games. So let's go. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.